0: maine is known for its rocky coastline beautiful forests and brutal winters it's the home of stephen king allen's coffee brandy and the best lobster to the people who come from away it's a vacation but to those of us who live here it's the way life should be welcome to vacation land my name is aj and i will be your guide through the history and mysteries of maine In the sixteenth century, shortly after the Europeans coming to the Americas, the word Norumbega, in a variety of spellings began appearing on maps. It seems to first appear on a map by Giovanni Verrazzano in 1529, a simple mark on the coast of New England. A decade later, the first account to describe Norumbega as lavish and vast is published by an anonymous writer. It appears again on a couple more maps. The where or what it is remains a mystery. It first becomes a city when explorer Jean Alphonse describes Norumbega as being five leagues up the Penobscot with citizens dressed in furs and using many words which sound like Latin. They are fair people and tall and they worship the sun. Europe, imagining fair people like themselves, becomes enamored with the mythical city which is only further fueled by reports from its first visitor. David Ingram was a sailor who had signed on to a fleet of ships under the purview of English privateer John Hawkins. The five vessels left England in 1567 to capture black people in West African towns to sell for profit in New Spain. During a storm, the ships had sought safe haven in the port of Veracruz, but came under attack by the Spanish. Two of the English ships escaped, the Little Judith and the Minion. Hawkins loaded as many men as he could onto the Minion, but being overcrowded and without the means to sustain them, he was forced to leave 100 men on shore. Fleeing the Spanish, a group of men decided to go north in search of English settlements. Between those that died or simply wandered off, David Ingram and two other men, Richard Brown and Richard Twyde, would reportedly walk from what is present-day Florida to Nova Scotia. Ingram and those who traveled with him essentially disappeared for 11 months, resurfacing in October of 1568, when they were picked up by a French fishing vessel. Ingram's account of Norumbega wouldn't be publicized until 13 years later, but that didn't stop him from regaling people in pubs and discussing it with leading intellectuals of the time. Historians and geographers widely differ in their ideas about what or where Norumbega is. Most appeared to agree that it landed in the area where the Penobscot River drains into the Gulf of Maine. The river was then known as the River of Norumbega, or the Great River, the Panamanskik. The city itself is thought to have been near what is now the city of Bangor, though some reports have located it as far south as New Jersey or Virginia. Ingram describes the area, A river presents itself, which is one of the finest rivers in the whole world, which we call Norambeg and the aborigines, agonsi Several other beautiful rivers enter into it, and upon its banks the French formerly erected a little fort about ten or twelve leagues from its mouth. Before you enter said river, appears an island, surrounded by eight very small islets, which are the country of Green Mountains, and to the Cape of the Islets. From there you sail along into the mouth of the river, which is dangerous from the great number of thick and high rocks, and its entrance is wonderfully large. About three leagues into the river, an island presents itself to you, that may have four leagues in circumference, inhabited only by some fishermen and birds of different sorts. Which island they call, Alayaskan, because it has the form of a man's arm, which they call so. Sailing up the Penobscot River, you would see these landmarks as Fox Island, which is the island before you enter the river. Camden Hills as the Green Mountains, and the island Islesboro is shaped like a man's arm. In 2019, a map commissioned in 1764 surfaced, which shows Sebasticook River Valley. Mapped in the area is a Nomburg Pond, and there are some reports of gold and silver mines near Great Moose Pond in Harmony, though there doesn't seem to be any studies which further support this area as the location of the mythical city. There were also French voyagers who apparently visited Norumbega before Ingram and his men. André Thivet, a Catholic priest, sailed in a French ship along the coast in 1556, where he entered the Penobscot and spent days with the Native Americans there. But only Ingram could tell the tale of the city Arembek in the region of Norumbega, Of the country he now found himself in, Ingram would say, Having landed and put our feet on the adjacent country, we perceived a great mass of people coming down upon us from all sides in such numbers that you might have supposed to have been a flight of starlings. And all this people was clothed in skins of wild animals, which they called repetats. All the people generally wear bracelets as big as a man's finger upon each of their arms. The like on each of their ankles, whereof one commonly is gold and two silver, And many of the women also do wear great plates of gold covering their bodies and many bracelets and chains of great pearls ingram would tell enraptured listeners that he had been well treated by these native people as they accompanied him to the great city of from a distance he could see the dazzling roofs and towers of the city which were covered in gold the group had made the journey by canoe and the leader of the city and its people received ingram with honors this leader's home had pillars of polished silver, which supported the gold roof, and the entrance was made of crystal, which was inlaid with precious stones. The great hall was lined with gold, and the floor covered in the finest furs. Hearing Ingram's story, I can't believe anyone thought this was real. But he didn't stop there. The houses that lined the streets were just as opulent. White with shining silver, and copper roofs, and crystal entrances. Ingram claimed that he was given one of these homes, a wife to cook for him, fine furs to replace his clothing, and told he could stay as long as he liked. As much as Ingram claims he was encouraged to stay, he told his audience he wanted to go home. So when he heard about a ship on the St. Johns in the Bay of Fundy, he left his new wife and all his riches behind. The government would of course develop an interest in colonizing this rich region, and every time Ingram told the story, the area became even richer. There was gold in the sand, silver and copper in the rocks, and pearls were so plentiful that every home seemed to have a bucket of them. He told people of feasts on the shore where people gorged themselves on quahog for days, leaving nothing but heaps of shells. Remains of these feasts are still found along the coast of Maine. Ingram's stories would later lead to a return expedition to the area. Sir Walter Raleigh took the sailor to his half-brother, Sir Humphrey Gilbert, to tell him the tale of this fabled city. Gilbert raised funds for the journey and assembled a crew which was rumored to be full of pirates and criminals. But they would never find Norambega, Arambeck, or its riches. Instead, they would find their rest in a watery grave. Samuel de Champlain would search for the mythical city when he explored the coast of Maine in 1604-1605. He reported meeting the Lord of Normbega in an area near present-day Bangor, but never encountered any mansions or towers. Eventually, explorers would give up the search for the city, instead using the name Normbega to refer to the region. People believed Ingram because Norumbega had long appeared on maps prior to his journey, but Norumbega's origin remains unknown. One theory states that the word comes from an Algonquin word for still water, and was perhaps the location of a winter settlement. Another theory states that Normbega is from a Spanish word for fields. Perhaps Ferrazano had overheard the word from Spanish explorers who were describing a flat unforested area. The final theory, Normbega has a Norse origin and comes from the word Norrbegra or Norwegian. This theory posits that Leif Erikson established Normbega as an 11th century Viking city which was adapted into the local native mythology. Professor Ian Horsford believed he had discovered the ruins of a Norse city in Wannertown, Massachusetts, in the 1880s. He claimed that the ruins had been occupied by settlers who built over the remains of the city. He asserted that this was the legendary Norumbega. Horsford studied maps and the Vinland sagas, which are the saga of Greenlanders and the saga of Eric the Red, not the manga. They are Icelandic texts which contained different accounts of Norse expeditions to Vinland. Horsford claimed that Norumbega and Vinland were the same place. His proof consisted of etymology of the name place, correlations in the descriptions of the land, a stone foundation he excavated near his own home in Cambridge, which he would claim had been Leif Erikson's home, and some rocks scattered about which he said had been a Norse tower. This final theory can't be discounted, but there also hasn't been enough evidence to support it. Some places in Maine still retain the vestiges of the mythical city. In Bangor, there's Normbega Hall, which is actually where I used to work. There's an art museum there now, the Zillman Art Museum, which is part of the University of Maine. It's free and open to the public. I highly recommend checking it out. And in Camden, there is Normbega Castle. It was built as a summer home for inventor Joseph Barker Stearns, in eighteen eighty six to eighty seven, and is now a Ben Breakfast, the Norm Vega Inn. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed your visit. All sources for this episode are listed at com, and click on Vacationland at the top of the page. Music is by Lurker. Check out more of his work at com, and follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at vacationlandpod.